matter even if I'm wrong, I'm going. Amen? And, and that's what I tell them. It don't matter even if I'm wrong. Uh, I'm going. And so that's where I want you to be is in the camp and saying, I am going. I know without a doubt, without a doubt, that I'm blood-bought, that he's going to take me home. Whether it's pre-rapture, whether it's mid-rapture, whether it's pre-tribulation, mid-tribulation, or post-tribulation, irrelevant is when he comes, he takes me. And that's what needs to be important in your life. And I understand uh, there are some neat, neat, neat teachings out there, and there's some wonderful things out there. And if you are an end-time watcher, which I hope that you are, I am, then uh, you are excited to see what you are seeing right now. And I just want to give you quickly some things that are happening in our world as we speak. I, I don't do this very often. Every now and then I'll think on it, but I don't do this very often. Number one, this is for you if you're an end-time watcher, prophecy watcher, then this is something for you right now in the Knesset, that is the governmental body of Israel. There is a bill, not expected to pass, but there is a bill right now that is asking for the Israeli government to partition off a portion of the Temple Mount of Jewish Prayer. Never made it to the Knesset before, never made it as far before. This is something amazing to look at. Something amazing, something to look at, something to, to hold on to. Not expected to pass. It won't pass, more than likely. But it's never made it this far before. And if you made it this far, it's going to happen next time. So there are things for you to look at in there. Uh, Texas sent to Israel earlier this year several red heifers. Right? Y'all know what that is? They are now in Israel, and they are now of age. So a lot of things are happening as we speak. It's fitting into that. Uh, so there are some neat things to look at, some neat things to see, and some neat things to hold on to. We're in Second Thessalonians chapter 1, and let's begin uh, in verse 7. The Bible says, And to give you who are troubled to rest with us from the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction for the presence of the Lord and for the glory of His power. When He comes in that day to be glorified in His saints and to be admired among all those who believe, because our testimony among you was believed. So, we're going to start out looking into those particular verses, but before we move into that, let's open with a word of prayer. Father, we come to you now in Jesus' name. I want to thank you for the opportunity to be in the house tonight. Bless us and touch us as we look at your word. Speak to us, Lord God. Open our hearts to hear from you. And it's my prayer, Father God, if there's anyone who needs to come to know you, first Lord, Savior, we don't need to get their heart right with you. Would you let tonight do that night? Give you the praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' holy and righteous name. Amen. So, there are a couple of major camps you need to be aware of uh, when it comes to end-time theology and thought. And number one, is what we call pre-tribulational rapture theory believers. And what these people believe is that before the great tribulation happens, God will rapture or Jesus will rapture the church out of the world. And there's some evidence for that scripture. Some people will deny me and say, nope, no, no. I, I think there's some good evidence in all the camps that are written in. I want to be open-minded in that. We also have a mid-tribulational uh, rapture theory believers, and these people believe that around that three-and-a-half-year mark during the Great Tribulation, that the church will be uh, raptured out. There's another school of thought in there called Free Wrath. Some of you might be familiar with that as well. And these guys believe that the church will go through the, the Great Tribulation, but not
not through the wrath of God seeing it in there. There's also a uh, post-tribulational rapture believer, and they believe that the church and everybody will go through the entire seven years of the Great Tribulation and then be raptured up, or that some of them believe that the rapture and the second coming are one and same event. And so there's several different school of thoughts in there, and people ask me all the time, Pastor, what is your school of thought in there? Well, I am a pan-millennialist. Some people say, what the family is? Well, I'm going to pan out. Amen. Um, that's where I'm at in that. Uh, no, I have my personal beliefs in that. And I do share that on occasion with people in that. Uh, and you're going to get an idea of some of my thoughts tonight in there. Um, truth is, though, is there is no expert. And anybody who's telling you that they're an expert in it is selling something. Uh, and that's the truth. They, and, you know, they actually are willing to go outside and argue with you and debate with you on I'm right, I'm right. Well, you know what? Hasn't happened yet, so the truth is, none of us are exactly right just yet. So uh, we will know when it happens. What we need to be doing is looking for it. What we need to be doing is watching for the signs that Jesus gave us, and we need to be encouraged in that. In fact, that's what uh, the Apostle Paul tells us: be encouraged as you see that day drawing nearer. Encourage one another with these words that no matter what happens to the church, whether it be persecution, trials, tribulations, or we just die of old age. We're going to be with Jesus. We're not going to be left behind. Encourage one another with those words. So the title of tonight's message is the beginning of the end. Our focus passage, 2 Thessalonians 1, uh, 7 through 10. And we just read that together there. Uh, but the stage now is set for the age of the drama, as you probably know. I just gave you a little picture of what's happening historically in that. Israel's been back in the land since 1948. Uh, we've seen Jerusalem fall back under Israeli control. We've seen a language that was considered dead being completely reborn. We've seen a flag, a standard, a nation come out of, really and honestly, the depths of despair and are now back into the land. Born in just a single day, Israel was. And we've seen the stage set now for the drama of those ages. And the curtain is about to be pulled back on the entire But if you're a Revelation reader, that's what Revelation means. It means the unveiling, the apocalypse in the Greek word right there. So you get the idea, the sense of God pulling the curtain back saying, this is what is here for you to see. So the curtain's about to be pulled back on the end time. And I want you to know, though, that this drama is not fiction. There's been many authors out there that made a lot of money on their books. Remember the Left Behind series right there? They made lots and lots and lots of money. And we're not putting them down or saying they were right or they're wrong. But a lot of people made a lot of money on building end-time scenarios and thoughts and to the point now where a lot of church members believe it's going to be just like what's inside of those storybooks. And I want to remind you, the storybook is not the Word of God. It's the Word of God. This drama is not fiction. It is as real as it possibly can be. And tonight's message will highlight three tremendous truths concerning the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Are you ready? Let's move through this quickly now. One. We need not be disturbed. Now, we need to think about that quickly. We need not be disturbed. Look with me again in verse 7 of 2 Thessalonians. And to give you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with His mighty angels. We need not be disturbed. We don't need to go around with headline hysteria. Are you, are you around some of those Christians that pull up a newspaper, pull up a TV ad, pull up the coronation of King Charles wherever you are and are saying, look, I'm playing pin to pale on the Antichrist. Well, we don't need to be 
believing, is Bible believing, gospel preaching, Jesus testifying, God's will doing, love giving Christians. That's what we're supposed to do. We need not go around with headline hysteria. So there are three categories of people in the world today that go with those headline hysteria. And one, those are those who are afraid. They're afraid. And they are afraid that Jesus will come back. And I want you to know something. If you're a blood-bought born-again redeemed Christian, you have no reason to be afraid of Jesus' return. You should be praying for His return. Somebody say amen. We're supposed to be praying for that. Lord, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, come back and come back soon because this world is falling apart without you. However, you will meet the people that are afraid. I have some family members like that. They live in another state. And let me tell you, if you don't live in Texas, you're in the wrong place anyway. Somebody say amen. Right? They live over in one of those states that just are a, a, a butt right up to Texas right there. Just right there. Just edge right up to Texas. And so you know, when I go to visit them, and I haven't done it in a while, but the moment I step over the Texas line, I would have said I can't breathe anymore. Let me tell you why. Because Texas is God's country. Amen. And so... Uh, when I get over there, they have jokes about that. They say, oh, Joshua's coming, and we need to get those filters out in the air mask out. Because I'm telling you, when I get over to that state, I don't know what's going on in that state, but it ain't Texas. All I'm going to say. And I don't breathe right until I get back to Texas. And the moment we cross that line, which says, welcome to the Lone Star State. Praise God. I'm starting to sing again. And I start looking up saying, rapture now. Rapture right now. I said, go have it. No, the truth is, though, my family members are a little bit afraid of that. They say, I'm not ready for Jesus to return. Does that describe you this evening? I'm not ready for Jesus to come back. Are you one of those that would say, Lord, please, please keep holding back because I am not ready. Can I be honest with you this evening? If you're not ready for Jesus to return right now, then you need to make it right with Jesus right now. You need to get on your knees. You need to get back in the Word. You need to get back in the prayer. You need to get back in with God's people in God's house, doing God's will, so that when He does come back, you're going to hear, well done, now good and faithful service, not why didn't you do what I told you to do. But we don't need to go around with headline hysteria, and we don't need to go around with fear, living with fear. We don't be afraid of Jesus' return. We need to be excited about Jesus' return. There's another group of people those who don't know enough to be afraid at all. Those are those people that walk around saying, whatever. It doesn't matter to me. I'm going to keep doing what I've always been doing. I'm just going to keep doing what I've always been doing. Jesus is going to come and He's going to take me. Can I be honest with the message of 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians is all about? It's about putting a spark underneath our feet. It's about telling us, you better start looking up because the redemption draweth not. You better start getting ready because he's coming back. Ready or not, he's coming back. And one of these days he's going to catch every one of us by surprise. We have those who are afraid, those who don't know enough to be afraid of all. Last, we have those people who go around and don't know the Bible. Those are the ones that believe in the left like that. Those are the ones that watch the YouTube prophet on TV or on YouTube saying, this is the way it's going to be. Have you met those guys yet? As Pastor Robert Stanley for almost three years now, there has not been a week, not one, where somebody hasn't sent me a YouTube prophet saying, is this right or is this wrong? 
Now, you're the responsible if it's on YouTube, guess what? Get back into the Word of God. Those who know their Bible. This message tonight will deal specifically with that third group.
preaching the gospel because I want you to get healed. I'm preaching the gospel because I want you to get saved. Are you understanding the difference? It's irrelevant to me at this moment whether or not you get healed because health to this body means little unless you are saved. When you get saved, you need to realize that this body doesn't mean anything to you. You don't live here anymore. The only hope for this world is the second coming of Jesus Christ. So if we were to take a look again at who is coming, we might call it the who of his coming. If you look at who, what, who, where, why, who might call it the who of his coming. Well, who is coming back? Somebody help me out here. Who's coming back? The Lord Jesus Christ is. Did you read that in Second Thessalonians? The Lord Jesus. Not Jesus the baby in the manger. Not Jesus who went to the cross. But the Lord Jesus Christ is going to come back in authority and lay his feet down on this world and rule it with an iron rod. Somebody say amen. The Lord Jesus. Church, it's not a matter of 
Though we do not know the day nor the hour when Jesus Christ will return, we do know that He is coming on On time. Not my time. Not your time. Not my guess. In fact, I remember one day inside seminary, we were in Abilene, Texas. We were working on the return of Jesus Christ. We were debating. We were arguing back and forth. There was Greek words being thrown. There was Hebrew words being thrown. There was context and understanding being thrown back and forth. And finally, one of those brilliant-minded Christians stood up and said, I believe Jesus come back. I'll just take your time. The professor stood up, walked to the calendar, put a big red X on it, and said, well, that just go ahead and eliminate the day of when Jesus is coming back, because no man knows when. He's coming back right at the perfect time. So we don't know the day nor the hour when Jesus Christ will return. We do know that He is coming on time. Look at me in Galatians 4 and verse 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law. If God sent His first, excuse me, His only begotten Son at the right time, the first time, then He will send His Son at the right time, He's coming on time. Jesus was not one second ahead of time, nor one second ahead. Prophet Malachi calls the second coming of Jesus Christ a sunrise. This is me in Malachi 4, verse 2. But to you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings, and you shall go out and grow fat like shall dead
like to say from the pulpit all the time, I see that smile on your face and the twinkle in your eye. How quick is the twinkle in your eye? Because we've never seen a twinkle in your eye. First time I ever saw that. Twinkle in the eye. How quick is seeing in an instant, in a moment, all of the saints to be made like the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to be like He is. Can you start to think about that? Are you starting to get excited about that? We're going to be made like He is. And when we're made like He is, we're going to be where He is doing what He's doing, knowing what He's Somebody say amen. I'm getting excited up in here. I can't wait to go. Father, would you bring us back? We're going to see that. We're going to see it in the instant. In a moment, all the saints. Looking up. You know what else is happening? Your government 
your governor has issued a presidential executive order that says we should become digital currency. It's a big deal. Everybody knows that's funny. Really, you do great with revelation, don't you? Did you know? wonder that his saving grace will catch us up. And if we take a look when we get into heaven and walk on those streets and call those pure streets of gold, they're not going to hold any finishes anymore. Right now it's all about gold and silver. When you watch a commercial on TV, almost every other commercial is turn your cash in for gold and silver because you can trust it, right? Some of you know what I'm talking about. When you get to heaven, gold means nothing. You know why?
still going to be lost when the Lord Jesus Christ saves his people. It's the glory of our shepherd that not one of his people. You know what we're going to do? You know what else? We're going to witness. We're going to witness to what is coming. Did you see that in verse 10 as well? We're going to be the witnesses of his coming. When he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints and to be admired.
well, we're going to sit here and sit here and sit here until God tells us what to do. They quit working. Paul said, go back to work. They quit loving. Paul said, get back to loving. They quit sharing. They quit witnessing. They quit testifying. And Paul said, get up off your bull hump. They said, get back to work. Just as in Paul's day, there are many today who try to deceive others. Paul tells the people what to look for with the second coming and reassures the saints to not be troubled, to not be deceived. Well, let's move on. Here's the verses 3 through 5. Say, Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. See that next slide, please. Who opposes and exalts above all that is called God or that is worship, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? Apostle Paul had no problem sharing the second coming of Jesus Christ with new believers. Paul, he shares about the coming and his Christ. He wasn't afraid to share that with him. The one called the beast, the man of sin, the wicked one, the son of perdition. This incidentally means that judgment is coming for sinners. Paul claims that there must first come a falling away or an apostasy before the second coming. While address to the saints that are coming in the church today, witchcraft coming in darkness. Gee, I wonder what that apostasy means. Paul then says that the Antichrist. Antichrist is called the man of sin. This man will be the epitome, if you will, of sin. And we can, if we want to, pray and take a tail on the Antichrist all we want. It's very bizarre, though, and we're all going to be robbed. I don't know about you, but uh, many years ago, there were several Baptist preachers that put the tail of the Antichrist on Bill Clinton. Y'all remember that? Some people put him on George W. Bush. Some people put him on Barack Obama. I know a lot of people put him on Donald Trump. Wrong isn't even the right word. We knew we were wrong. They just wanted to be vindictive, hurt somebody's feelings, or cause an argument. You know what the Antichrist is. He is the man of sin, the epitome of evil. Different Bible translations now. The phrase man of sin is called man of lawlessness. That's the correct, in my opinion, the correct Greek translation. Man of lawlessness, the one who casts aside God's law. Lawlessness. The incarnation of wickedness, one translation calls it, or wickedness in human form, some of the more modern translations say. There's coming upon this earth a creature, a man, listen to now, who will be the devil's very true savior. And Christ is also called the son of perdition, meaning that judgment is coming for sin. How many of you are familiar with Revelation 13? If I did a poll right now, every one of you would raise your hand and say, What's in Revelation 13? That's where we get a good picture of what the Antichrist is and what he's going to do. Revelation 13 
let what do you need? Paul tells us that there's a spirit in the world today called the mystery of iniquity. That word means wickedness. It means against God. We face organized, brilliant, invisible, tireless demon spirits called the mystery. We do. Church, you want to know why we're so tired of lately? I believe it's because we begin to see begin to feel the pressure as we get ready for that pulling away. When we take a look at wickedness, we need to understand that evil being restrained at this moment by the Holy Spirit. In other words, Satan's not a weakness. He's not able to do everything that he wants to do, would do, or could do as one day will. He cannot yet have his way. When the rapture takes place, whether it be three, three, big three, oak rib, three rounds, when it takes place, y'all, what's caught up in the moment, in the air, the Holy Spirit who lives in us, also the church. The church right now, listen to me, church. The church right now, filled with the Holy Ghost, is standing in Satan's presence. You think they're going to get on six o'clock news and say, where did those Christian believers go? They're going to get on the six o'clock news and start praising God that they want. Let's begin with the second Thessalonians 2, verse 7. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he's taken out of the way. The devil would love to see the believers in Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit taken out of the way because they are a when the church is removed, evil will engulf all the world. Incidentally, the church is small, and it is not. Remember Matthew 5, 13 through 16? Let's take a look at that chapter. Matthew 5, 13 through 16. Come up here this way. Not all you see right out of here. Oh, there it is right there. I apologize. My eyes are getting bad. You are the salt of the earth, said Jesus. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men. They may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Salt purifies and preserves. He knows this. This is elementary Christianity. You've heard that from just about every preacher, every pastor you've ever had. The job of the salt of the earth is to purify. When you put salt in something that's rancid, all the rancidness will start to disappear. Go ahead and pour it on a wound that has maggots in it. Not only will it hurt, it will clean. Salt purifies and it preserves. Remember back in the day before they had refrigerators, they would salt their meat to preserve it. Because it also gets discovered it also stings. I think my favorite part of salt is when you get a little bit of your own sweat in your eyes. It stings, it stings and it makes you say, God, that's the way the world looks today. When the salt is taken out, then the purification will begin. When the light is taken out, then the darkness will engulf the day. Once the church is removed, the great tribulation will begin. 
tribulation takes place? After the resurrection. That's my thought. Uh-oh, I'm going to get attacked on that. This is when the man of sin will be revealed. We should praise God, though, for the Holy Spirit. Can you say amen? The Antichrist will be the devil in Christ. His intellectual genius will be great. His authority will be overpowered. His hatred will be extraordinary. His techniques will be Men will be willing to die for him. Women will sin as children to sin as He will come as a great world leader. And I think one of the pictures that he needs to come is Adolf Hitler. The Great Tribulation will be a time of torture and terror. There will be no escape. Those who do not receive the Lord Jesus in this day and age will believe the lie of the Antichrist. Remember the second Thessalonians 2, 11 and 12? They will get a great relief. Last but not least, and I'm actually over time here, we're not going to get the point. We're wondering, we're wondering, we're going to have all these things going on, we're going to have not get the point. Let's begin with me in 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 8. 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 8, the Bible tells us that in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those
Romans 10, verses 9 and 10 tell us that if we will believe in our heart that God has raised us from the dead and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we shall be saved. Romans 10, 13 says, For those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. What about Acts 16, 31? It tells us that we can believe in our whole household will be saved. And again, John 3, 16, the God Pastor, I am a Christian, but I need to get one. Perhaps say, Pastor, I need to be part of this church, whatever it may be. Would you be willing to come? Let's pray together. Come, come to that. Jesus is saying, I'm asking you to take charge. Could be anyone who needs to get their heart right with you. Anyone, Lord God, needs to get their relationship right with you. Or anyone, Father God, who needs to bring us to you in any way. Would you let tonight be that night? Would you be afraid to honor you?